I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. Once again, I am Neil Smith, joined, as always, by Mr. Steve Bonham. Hello. 32 teams in 32 days, Steve. The train rolls on, whether we like it or not. And in this case, we probably don't like it. Because today, we are here to discuss your former your former favorite team, mm-hmm. the Houston Texans. Current Friend- free agent. Mm-hmm. Friendship ended. <laughs> Friendship over. Uh and as as folks who have been following along with us on this journey, as we record all of these, I think I think everyone will kind of acknowledge that they kind of vary in length a little bit, depending on how many fantasy relevant topics uh, there are. And in this case, fifteen minute adventure in and out, <laughs> much and much like much like that clip, I am not in control of this in uh, in any way. So. <laughs> I guess we'll just start breaking it down, Steve. It's 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 a it's a sad saga as far as the off season goes. Just riddled with and fraught with turmoil, just pretty much everywhere you look. I guess it's, might as well start with the elephant in the room. Uh, neither you nor I have Mr. Deshaun Watson projected or ranked, right. meaning that neither one of us, and I don't want to speak for you, obviously, but neither one of us really believe that he will be taking any snaps for the Houston Texans franchise in the year 2021. And I would Correct. argue. Yeah, and I would argue that he will never do that again in a Texans uniform and will be playing football elsewhere once his situation with the lawsuits gets taken care of. So getting off the field drama before that even all started uh, in the spring, he made it very clear that he wanted to be a part of their their coaching search to replace Bob, that he wanted not necessarily a say in who was going to be the new coach, but just that they valued his opinion that he was supposed to be their franchise player in the face of the franchise. And the the McNair family basically said, sure, we can absolutely do that. And then hired the GM behind his back and didn't take his advice on even interviewing the coaches that he wanted to talk to. And then hired David Culley, who nobody even knew was interested in being a head coach. And uh, he was done and said he never wants to play for the Texans again, demanded a trade. And in my opinion, had the lawsuits and off the field stuff not popped up, he would have already been gone. He would have already been traded. Somebody would have already given them a haul to get Deshaun Watson. But it is what it is. We are where we are. And we're not going to speculate on that situation. What we will say is, there is a 0% chance that he plays for the Houston Texans ever again. Whether yeah. he gets fined, whether he gets put on the commissioner's list, whether he just decides to sit out and null his contract for a season, it does, he's not going to play. He's not going to show up. So it's Tyrod Taylor, it's Davis Mills, it's Jeff Driscoll, it's ugly, and it is, it is Houston Texans football. <laughs> Well, you just rattled them off right there because what I was going to pivot into is, well, if we're if we're if we're that confident that Deshaun yeah. is never going to play football for the Texans again, let's talk yeah. about who will. Uh, none of it matters, unfortunately. Yeah. 
the days of Tyrod Taylor mattering long gone. And again, I think that's, we always say here, you know, narrative breakers with our guy, Kevin Harrison, never listen to the narratives. Um, Narrative based analysis is typically not accurate, but I think here in this case, like the Houston Texans are trying to turn over their franchise, right? They've got a new front office, new head coach, all new regime. It's, it's a whole new day for the Houston Texans. They had no first or second round pick. The first time they are on the clock in the 2021 draft, they take Davis Mills, a quarterback. (laughs) Of all of the positions that you have on your roster that need filling, that need to be repaired, if you had any inkling that Deshaun Watson would be back with your franchise, why would your first pick of the draft be another quarterback that right there was a complete smoke signal that hey this is it we're moving on we've got to start fresh and and that's that's where we are Terod Taylor is the guy he's the incumbent he's going to get this first crack at it you know when I think of starting <laughs> starting fresh and turning over a new leaf yeah I think Tyrod Taylor that's mm-hmm. exactly where my mind goes 100 percent of the time and I'll keep I'll keep fluctuating between Tyrod and Tyrod because nobody knows what the accurate one is. He can't decide which one he wants to go by, so neither can I. But that's all right because I think he's going to get the first shot at this. I think there's a, every chance that Jeff Driscoll maybe gets a game, which is what we have him projected for. But I think at some point here, this is a team that is going to win two games, one game. Maybe if, if they're fortunate, they'll get two. They might get one. The weird things happen. They, they are going to have a top five pick, and they are finally coming into a season when they actually have picks that Bob didn't trade away. So they are going to have a top five pick. They have to see what they've got in Davis Mills. And if it's absolutely nothing, they need to know that so they can draft a quarterback. Exactly. So Davis Mills is going to, he's going to get run. He's going to play at least half the season. In my opinion, they need to see what they have in him. If they can develop him into a starter or if they're going to spend a top five pick on a new QB. Well, even all that aside, I have precious little evidence at this point that the Tyrod Taylor could actually get through a 17 game NFL season in a clean manner without getting He's played a full season, I believe once in his career it was the time it was it was when it was back in the beginning of this when they were saying he he could be a starting quarterback somewhere in the league that was it was coming off that season the one time he actually played the whole way through well let me i don't want to misquote it uh let me see oh i'm sorry i'm incorrect he's never played a oh okay oh well there you go yes that makes that uh so from 2015 to 2017 for that three years he was the starter in buffalo that much i knew but he played 14 games in 2015, 15 games each of the next two years. So he's never played a full 16-game season, let alone they've added a bonus game now. So, and, that, and again, you're going all the way back to 2017, the last time he did that. Since then, he has played a combined 14 games. There now, is one of the, no way. Some of that's not his fault. He did get stabbed by a doctor. 
that sure, did happen, fair. which is mm-hmm. also sad. It's a sad, it's a separate sad story. But even well, without and again, that, sorry, he's been active a combined 14 games. I take yeah. that back in 2019. He was the backup and took six snaps. So, OK, but he but he was active for eight games. So if you want to talk about actual games that he's like started and played in in the last three years, he's played in four games. Exactly. And if we were to look so, those up, they probably wouldn't be blowing you away on the stat sheet. So, yeah, they're not great. Realistically, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, you were, you mentioned it a moment ago. He'll get first crack at it. Congratulate. Yep. That's fine. And then about halfway through the year, by hook or by crook, he'll be done. Realistically, Jeffrey, they'll, they'll be an 0-6 to 0-8 team. And then Davis Mills will be the guy for the rest yeah. of the way. Or Jeff Driscoll will get one start or two if Davis Here's Mills my is. theory. Uh, so Tyrod Taylor goes six games. Uh, and then they say, this is terrible. You're benched. They bring in Jeff Driscoll. He plays mm-hmm. one game, gets destroyed on a sack. It's possible. And, and then it's Davis Mills. For those Jeff of you who watch the Broncos, hurt. yeah. that mm-hmm. Remember that? That literally happened. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm saying. That's History repeats itself in multiple ways. And they just, they bench Tyrod, never going back. They go to Driscoll for one random game. And then it's, it's Davis Mills the rest of the way. But that's, yeah, again, just, all of it is completely useless. All of it is for completely, fantasy purposes. we have Tyrod Taylor in our, in our projections as QB 33. And, and that's because that's it's half a season. Half a season. And it's just not even useful because mm-hmm. there's, so, there's 32 other quarterbacks that I would rather have and probably some other ones that would present more upside that would even be lower down that list. It's just not useful in and of itself for fantasy purposes. The only conversation that I have around it is, is it bad enough to make everything else on the Houston Texans completely unusable? Because we've seen that before in the NFL with some of these teams where eventually it just becomes like you just have a dead team. Yeah. Nothing's useful. I don't think we're there. I think Mm -hmm. there are one or two things that could be useful, but nobody in that quarterback room is useful for 12 team PPR redraft, which is obviously what we're here to discuss today. And it's just, it's just leave it on the bench. There's not leave it on the waiver wire. There's no, there's no reason to draft or roster any, any of those three guys at all. Would you even be interested in any of them as bi-week fill-ins, Steve? Um, no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The odds are, again, what we're talking about here preseason is all draft. So, I mean, could you pick any of these guys up off the waivers during the season, sure. If you were desperate, I'm sure they'd be there. But I also would have to believe you'd still have better options, depending. Like there's, uh, again, with Driscoll and Taylor, there's no upside. With Mills, there's a little bit of upside if he turns into something. But I think you can wait until week six before that's even a hint of a possibility that he's going to start. So there's no need to to worry about that right now. Yeah. So I, I really wouldn't worry about any of that. I I will say it does segue us nicely into. The thing that actually does matter, which is pretty, pretty short list. It's really just Brandon Cooks is will Brandon Cooks be able to actually put together a useful season with Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll as his quarterback? Will he be able to actually do that? Because the Internet likes to poo poo Mr. Brandon Cooks. And so does the fantasy community to a certain extent. Not everybody, mm-hmm. but they he, it. it Rumors of his death have been greatly exaggerated, right? right? He puts up a thousand yard season last year and ho-hum, nobody cares. Everybody, frankly, felt, I felt like they were expecting more, Yeah, which fair enough, but that team was 
hideous last year. So he gave you what, what he could and he got a thousand yards. He didn't crash the car. He wasn't a bust. He wasn't terrible. But now you're, that was with Deshaun for the majority of the year throwing him the ball, which we would all agree is a super aggressive upgrade over any of the other three names we just went through in the quarterback mm-hmm. room. Right. So what is your going to be your advice for people who are evaluating Brandon Cooks this year? Should you temper expectations? Should you, should you kind of like not be too worried about it? Think he's still got that kind of gas in the tank? I know historically you've been a big fan of Brandon Cooks. Uh, I am a big Brandon Cooks guy. Unfortunately, the unfortunate reality is when you look at Brandon Cooks, he has been very consistent throughout his career with what he's been able to do. You can't argue with the the production that he's been able to have. And again, the bevy of different teams and playbooks that he's had to learn in order to do that. Like, it's really sad when you look at this, but this will be his second year with Houston which will tie at two years with the Rams and then the Saints is his longest tenured team at three years. So this is his second longest tenure in the NFL, year two with Houston. It's really pathetic. There's also an outside chance that, again, you're a franchise that's completely rebuilding, right? And I don't think this is talked about enough, but you're a franchise that's completely rebuilding, Brandon Cooks has worked in multiple different systems with multiple different teams, and he's only 28 years old. There's every possibility that as they reform this franchise and reshape this franchise, that when we get to midseason in the trade deadline, that he gets shipped off to another team for a second round pick. And he is on a playoff contender with a good quarterback in a better situation. And investing in Brandon Cooks actually cash is huge because he's in a great situation. That's that's not out of the realm of possibility in the NFL for that to happen. But even where he is now, you look at what he was able to do last year, like you mentioned. Part of what has boosted him is not only the QB play, but also having a great number two. Right? Last year was the best season far and away in Will Fuller's career. Yes. And as a result, really good season, consistent season for Brandon Cooks. When he was in L.A., he had Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. When he was in New England, he had Gronk in Gronk's prime. When he was in New Orleans, he had Michael Thomas. So he's always had a number two option that has been extremely good that draws coverage. That is not the case here. There, like, there's no back, there's no tight end, there's no wide receiver that I would say commands enough coverage to draw a double team off of Brandon Cooks. Now, there he has shown success doing that in 2015, only his second year in the league. And again, you're going way back to 2015, so six years ago, when he was the guy in New Orleans, and the best second option on the team was Ben Watson. But his quarterback was Drew Brees. So it's it's rough to compare the situations. But again, as we talked about many times with our, our friends from Ball Blast in our, our draft with them last week, like, look, somebody's got to catch the ball. Somebody has to be 
the source of all these targets. Somebody's got to be out there getting all these passes thrown to him because they're going to throw the ball. But well, they're going you, to have they're going to have to. They're going to be chasing a lot of points. Yeah. But again, now they've got behind Brandon Cooks, they have Nico Collins, who they drafted in the third round, who to me, he's one of the most polarizing people coming out of this draft. I've seen him as high as the number fourth prospect going in. Uh, and I saw him as low as number 17. I personally didn't even have him ranked because I only did my top 15. So Nico Collins is a guy that I, I just don't know what to make of from what he was able to do in Michigan. I was not a fan of what I saw on tape or from the numbers, but some people are extremely high on him. Not me, but the, that's some people. And it feels like he's going <laughs> to he's gonna play a, a pivotal role now because they traded Randall Cobb. Will Fuller left in free agency, so now they signed Chris Conley. Who they they're signed, very high on, and right. Chris Conley will be getting some run with them. Yeah, and you and I talked about this offline as well, but Chris Conley signed a one-year, one-and-a-half million dollar deal, but he uh, has it all guaranteed. Yep. So there's really little chance that they would invest that in him and then cut him. He's a guy that Nick Casario, the new GM in Houston, signed personally. So I don't know why he would make that investment in a player that they were just going to get rid of. We knew Dante Moncrief wasn't long for this team, and now he's gone. Um, He'll be back if they need him back. I mean, that's that's the reality of Dante right. Moncrief's career at this point. And then the other one was Isaiah Coulter, who him and Kiki Cutie are left over from the Bob regime. No ties to this current uh, set of front office guys, but it's possible that they're cheap enough that they want to keep them for depth. They just spent a fifth round pick getting Anthony Miller to be their new slot receiver from Chicago. So now you've got Anthony Miller taking over that role for Randall Cobb in the slot. You still have Cooks on the outside at the Z, and it's just a matter of Nico Collins and Chris Conley. I think Conley wins that battle ultimately to be the X receiver. But again, it's just a one-year deal, and he's 28 years old. Yep. So I think they work Nico Collins in slowly. At the end of the year, he ultimately becomes number two on this team in targets. But outside of Brandon Cooks, none of this is worth it. And again, you're ultimately talking about, even though it's a bad quarterback and a bad team, he's still the number one receiver on this offense. And to me, that's good enough to be at least a top 30 option. Yeah, and that's, but that, I wouldn't want to spend more than that. I personally have him in my own personal rankings at 35 for Cooks. Mm -hmm. And it's because of all the concerns I have around quarterback and yeah. because it's a preseason rankings thing where you're ranking people for the season. Yeah. And so with Tyrod, not too worried about Brady Cooks being able to get his and being able to put up meaningful fantasy points. It's just what happens when Jeff Driscoll has to get in there yeah. before he gets murdered. And then what happens with David Mills? Is Davis Mills even capable of moving the offense at all? But I would I would agree with the general premise, which is of the wide receiver room, and you listed yeah. it off very nicely there. Brandon Cooks is the only one that I would be willing to invest in in a draft. And I wouldn't want to do it beyond wide receiver roughly 30. Yep. Basically, I've got him I've got him at 30. Yeah. And that's like right now he's 37 in the ECR, he's 36 in ADP. Yep. So 
and you've got him at 35, that's about on point for it. Like back end wide receiver three, I feel pretty comfortable with that. In most cases, when you're that low in the wide receiver ranks, I'm getting him as my wide receiver four, which exactly. I'm really good with. So again, it won't, to me, cripple, you. It won't cripple you if the Texans go full cake in the rain and none of it becomes right. useful. It's the only yeah. way I could, I could justify it. So yeah. But Brandon Cooks does present a certain level of upside at that point, which is why I like him there because you feel pretty good about it, just as a uh, as from previous previous stints and what he's been able to do, even with bad uh, quarterback play, if that yeah. makes sense. So he's he's the only one though. I, I have no interest in, in in Nico Collins, not even as like we've talked about it in other shows. Wait till the end of your draft and take him like the, with the last mm-hmm. pick or something like. Nope. Not no, worried about it. They might need to know for the waiver wire. Maybe maybe yep. something happens. Not interested in Chris Conley. Nice yep. player. Nice guy from all accounts, too. Not interested in it for fantasy purposes. Anthony Miller. You're, you're asking bitter Bears fans for advice on Anthony Miller. Uh, no, no. So there's just really nothing else there. It's 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 Maybe somebody can separate themselves at some point and do something, but I just don't think there will be enough success offense, even though there will be opportunities they're Tyrod Taylor targets, you know, not all targets are created equal targets from Tyrod Taylor are not the same as Tyrod or as targets from Deshaun. So it really kind of limits anything pass catcher wise that I would be interested in. And that extends to the tight ends. There's really nothing there either. Jordan Akins is still there, which is, you know, it is what it is. And you know, you people have talked about him for years trying to, trying to break out. And I think that conversation is kind of over and they have Brevin Jordan, as the other tight end at this point, none of it excites me. I don't think any of it's going to be useful in any real way. So that kind of rounds out the the pass catchers. Do you feel Do you feel differently? Is there anything tight end related that you're a pass catcher related in general you'd be interested in? Uh, no. Like uh, the most ex. I don't want to say exciting, but the- <laughs> none of it's exciting. That's the point. Right. The <laughs> most of interesting of those um, the tight ends is Brevin Jordan. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a good profile coming in this year, but again, the problem there is rookie, rookie tight end, which we all know. bad quarterback play. Yeah, not even bad quarterback play. Just we all know rookie tight end is a fallacy. It never works. Uh, You're always wasting your time. So Jordan Akins is going to be the guy, at least this year. I think long-term, especially in Dynasty, if you want to take a flyer on Brevin Jordan late, throw him on your taxi squad. I'm good with that. But... Yeah, no, for this season, none of them's worth it. Not even as a dart throw for uh, for touchdowns. Not going to happen. I think the yep. big thing here that we're going to be different than the public on is uh, running back. Yeah, and and let's just go right into running back here because we still have David Johnson, who they acquired in that very controversial trade that Bob made uh, when he shipped DeAndre Hopkins out of town. David Johnson, still here, still on the team. But they've been busy in other areas in the running back room. They acquired Philip Lindsay after the Broncos decided that they were not going to pay Philip Lindsay. So he got out of town, and we'll see what he's able to do in a Texans uniform. He's going to be your, I guess, backup running back, but it's really more like running back 1B. Mm-hmm. And then the they, still, they also have Dontrell Hilliard, who, correct me if I'm wrong, but he played in Cleveland at one point, didn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he played in Cleveland. And then they have... Uh, I believe they, oh, they have Mark Ingram, whatever mm-hmm. that's worth at this point, <laughs> coming off right. an incredibly disappointing season yep. last year. They, they also have Mark Ingram. So I'll just, I guess we can work it this way. 
I'm not really interested in Dontrell Hilliard or Mark Ingram. They might make the team, but right. I don't have it. I don't, there's no reason to roster either of those individuals. So not even as they're not handcuffs, they're not backups. They're, they're just, they're really nothing. There would need to be kind of like multiple injuries for either one of them to get meaningful playing time. We're really here to discuss David Johnson, uh, visa, and then Philip Lindsay kind of in tandem here. And, you know, it's interesting because you and I talked about this offline a little bit, but David Johnson has once again become kind of a polarizing figure because yeah. conventional logic would say that, oh, it's David Johnson. He's your starting running back, right? And and he'll be the the actual running back, running back. But then they bring in Philip Lindsay. And as we've detailed for years, on <laughs> which this is show, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We've detailed this for years on this show. Philip Lindsay, and, and I love Philip Lindsay. I'm the guy who was telling you years ago when nobody knew who Philip Lindsay was, you got to get this guy. He, he can't catch. Okay. Like, I, and I hate to be that blunt about it, but he can't catch. Yeah. And they use Philip Lindsay that way eventually in Denver. They figured that out in Denver. This guy can't catch. So they had Royce Freeman doing that, which is completely backwards from what it was drafted to be. And it's kind of a similar interesting thing here. They bring in Philip Lindsay, and I'm actually starting to get more and more convinced as we roll through camp that Philip Lindsay is going to be your actual between the tackles running back, and David Johnson is going to be the one who catches passes and gets the goal line work. I'm starting to get concerned. How about you, Steve? Are you are you still in some of the tea leaves here? How do you how do you break down the the role assignments for the for the Texans backfield? Uh, I would say that that's probably fairly accurate. Again, like they're gonna give they're gonna give Philip Lindsay some work. He is going to work in and be the change of pace guy. But I think both David Johnson and Philip Lindsay will get work between the twenties and on early downs. And as we've talked about, though, like David Johnson, David Johnson is the bigger guy. He is the goal lineback. I'm not worried about that at all. And like you alluded to there, he is easily the much better pass catcher uh, between the two of them. So he is for sure going to be the third down back and the pass catching back. And as we talked about with this team, they're going to be chasing points and passing a lot. Oh, yeah. So that means he will have heavy involvement on the field. Also, for whatever reason, they brought in Lovey Smith to be the de- defensive coordinator. That is what it is. I don't care. But they brought they kept Tim Kelly, who was the offensive coordinator last season. And he has said in multiple interviews that one of his biggest regrets from last year is he feels like he was overworking the pass catchers and he wasn't utilizing his running backs properly. He figured it out halfway through the season. That was his quote. That is what he was saying, is that he felt like he finally was getting a good mix towards the middle of the season. Well, remember, Duke Johnson got hurt last year. And when Duke Johnson got hurt and they started to run the ball more from week 13 on in PPR formats, which again is what we deal with here, David Johnson was RB9 from week 13 through week 17. Now, it's a small sample size, but when they adjusted to the system that Tim Kelly wants to run, then that's exactly what he was. And going into last year, we were talking about David Johnson. Remember, everybody said, oh, he's washed. He's done. Look at him on the tip. He can't do it anymore. Oh, he's dead. Get him out of here. He'll never recover from those injuries he took was a popular, very popular narrative. Yes. In 2018 with Arizona behind a terrible offensive line with bad offense in general, uh, David Johnson played a full 16 game season, 
had 940 rushing yards, was averaging 58.8 rushing yards per game, was averaging 8.9 yards per reception, and finished as a top 10 PPR running back. Now let's go to last year in Houston. He was averaging 57.6 rush yards per game. Just one rush yard per game less than that top 10 season. And he was averaging 9.5 yards per reception. A greater yards per reception average with Houston. So again, the talk was that he's dead when really he's putting up the same numbers he was putting up in his prime. And that's not forget. Yes, he's going into his age 30 season, but he missed most of 2019. He missed all of 2017. So really, he's still not got a ton of mileage on his legs. He still has something left in the take. He's definitely not dead. David Johnson, to me, is an extreme value in a lot of these drafts. Like uh, David Johnson, again, the narrative is still he's dead. Move on. I think the biggest fear here is that he would lose workload to Philip Lindsay, which I could yes. understand. Yes, that's the but answer. the ECR right now has David Johnson as running back 34. So at running back 34, you can have him for virtually free to be your third or even fourth running back. For folks who are not listening in front of a computer, I'll help you out, by the way, because 34, you start getting into the James Robinson territory of mm. running back. You get into the Naheem Hines, Michael Carter type of situation, James Connors of the world. But even and, then, like in, in ADP, he's well, going... My point with that running. is, Steve, they're not starting running backs. <laughs> yeah, at, at, running, at ADP, he's running back 32. Right. Which is the 85th pick overall. Again, at pick 85 overall, you're getting him at such a discount because you're getting a guy that I have still as a borderline top 24 back who is going to get the goal line work, we know is going to get the pass catcher work. And to me, I feel like RB30-ish is his floor with the workload he's going to get and the pass catching. He's got, we've, we've seen the top 10 ceiling. He just had it last year. And I know Deshaun isn't there, but they've said they want to run the ball more. They brought in Tyrod Taylor, who's a mobile quarterback, older, but a mobile quarterback. And they drafted Davis Mills, who one of his strengths at Stanford was throwing on the run and getting out of the pocket. Now he's not going to wow you with his speed, but he is a slightly mobile QB who's going to be able to get the ball out of his hands fast. And if you're telling me I can have D uh, David Johnson in the eighth round as potentially my third running back, then yeah, I would, I would absolutely do that. Yep. And that's the thing. See, I, that's why I had to move David Johnson for me is RB 27, my ranking. Yeah. And it's because he's a starting running back in the NFL. Still, he's going to be like the lead back for that team on a team that is going to check it down a ton. It's Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor will look for the first read. If it's not there, he might look at a tight end, but in reality, he's probably going to sprint out of the pocket and dump it off to awaiting David Johnson. Yeah. So it's going to happen a lot. And I'm not really worried about Philip Lindsay cutting into that part of his job. And so you kind of pointed it out. 
his floor is RB 30, because that's, that's, that's a worst case scenario. If he doesn't get any of the actual proper between the tackles rushing and just gets the pass catching. Yeah. So that's, I view it as a very low risk type of investment. The only thing you're worried about with him is that he gets hurt again, Yep. but you can't really work. You can't really hold that against him because that's the same with any of these guys. It's everybody. You're worried that they get hurt again. So I think it's an incredible value on David Johnson, but that's, that's kind of the Houston Texans, right? There's two I things think. that are actually worth worth rostering, yep. and it's Brandon Cooks and David Johnson. It's the whole the whole rest of it is just ancillary pieces that don't matter. And frankly, I wouldn't worry about drafting any of it. And at some point, maybe something on there can separate and have value, but because we have no idea who it will be or in what way it'll manifest, I just leave it all out there for the waiver wire, unless it's Brandon Cooks or David Johnson. Would you be interested in Philip Lindsay at all? As I'm at this point, I'm kind of not. I don't think they'll be able to run the uh, in ball redraft. Uh, no, the yeah. roster just isn't deep enough to for that to matter. Yeah, so I'm not really endorsing Philip Lindsay with the Texans. My feelings on Philip Lindsay are pretty pretty out there. Quality player, but he I don't think he'll get the volume or the pass catching to really matter. And they're going to struggle to run the ball. Whatever they say about wanting to run the ball more, I mean, good luck. You're going to be losing every game by 21 points. So yeah, <laughs> like. I'm sure you would love to establish the run, right, sure, Mr. Yeah. Kelly? You'd love to do that, but it's going to be hard when you're getting blown out because your defense is. And we'll close with defense and kicker here quickly. The defense is the worst defense in football, and that's yeah. saying something um, with this league. And then their kicker is still Kaime Fairbairn, who kicker is kicker. I, I'm not really interested in that either. So there's really not too much to write home about here. I don't even know if they'll move the ball effectively enough for him to get to get reasonable points. You know what I mean? I'm just mm-hmm. not, there's too many better options. So with that, I'll kick it back to you. Is there anything else that you want to say about your former, your former favorite franchise? No. Well, that really does speak volumes then. Well, tell you what, we'll wrap this up. And then in the listening world, we'll be back with you tomorrow to talk about the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, which, uh, I was looking forward to up until the recent news. <laughs> and, uh, And now not so much, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. And once again, check us out at importantnonsense.com and importantnonsense.com Patreon. If you like what you're hearing, uh, help us out. Help us keep the lights on. And we'll see you tomorrow. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!